0: Welcome back to the Schaefer's Market Mashup. It's been a while, everybody, and it's good to be back. I took a week off during election week, even though, let's be honest, that felt like a month ago. But hey, you know, we're here, we're happy, we're healthy, and I'm excited for today's interview. Please welcome Bill Looney, Managing Director at Exchange Financial Access. Bill, thanks for coming on.
1: Hi right, Patrick, good, good afternoon to you. Thanks for having me, it's a pleasure to
0: be with you. Awesome, awesome. Um, I guess I'll just start with a little bit of intro with what we're gonna be talking about today. Uh, options, volumes, have not slowed down in 2020, despite the rest of life, essentially slowing down. Um, Average daily volume this year is up more than 40% from 2019, and the options industry is on track to hit a record of more than 7 billion contracts in total volume by the end of 2020. Um, Nine of the top 10 most active trading days have occurred in 2020 alone. So Bill, I, I want you to, you know, you're you're coming from. This is the broker dealer's perspective. I want you to first talk me through your career and how you've got to where you are at XFA, and then give me a little breakdown of what XFA offers.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I've been uh, in the business just over two decades now, and uh, I, for the for the large for the biggest piece of my career, I was on the uh, sales and trading side. Uh, started out based in income World. Eventually migrated to the equity derivatives world where I did institutional sales and trading for a number of years with a lot of the big banks. Uh, Subsequently thereafter, I headed over to CBO for a seven-year stint uh, and wound up uh, my last role at CBO was running index options business there, specific to SPX and VIX, products like that. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I joined XFA, heading up their global business development efforts, basically parlaying my sales and trading as well as exchange background uh, into helping to grow. Uh, and uh, continue to advance, obviously, the, the global customer base at XFA services. So it's been uh, a wonderful opportunity. And we had some big news at XFA last week. We were acquired by Merrick Spectron, and they're a global commodity specialist headquartered out of London. And uh, we're very excited about the uh, opportunities that our partnership with Maric Spectron is going to afford us because they have a number of complementary product areas and going to obviously allow us to grow our international footprint and offer more products and services, uh, you know, with a larger balance sheet offering and potential clearing. So XFA is in uh, great shape, uh, very exciting times for us. And I do believe you uh, kind of wanted me to segue into XFA a little bit uh, in terms of, you know, exchange financial access, but pretty much the street knows this as, as XFA, uh, our three-letter acronym. We are an agency broker dealer. Uh we specialize in the execution of equity derivatives uh as well as future options products. Uh we maintain operations SIBO uh at the CME as well as a number of other exchanges uh and uh been around since roughly two thousand and one, uh formulation of a, a few uh very long-term uh trader uh traders in space. Uh had a lot of foresight back in the day when the banks were pulling off worse to trade. A broker dealer that uh, was more based and covered the institutional equity derivatives and futures options community.
0: Wow. Well, first things, I I guess I should offer up a congratulations, right, on 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 the uh, on on the merge. Um, and, And for one, I'm excited because a lot of my. Most of my interviews have come from the broke, uh, or no, from the analyst side. You know, this year my first broker, so I have a lot of. You know, I'm going to really be picking your brain here about that side of the aisle. Uh, and I, I guess, yeah, let's just jump right in. What does it mean to be, you know, a floor-based agency broker, and, and what specific services does this come with for customers within the larger trading ecosystem?
1: Sure. Well. What it means to be an agency floor broker, they, 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 or yes, the agency floor broker is basically this, the key word in that is agency. In other words, we don't commit capital. We sit as an agent in between two principal sides that take risk, a buyer and a seller in this case. And we help them strategize on the best way to execute that order. And predominantly, uh, we provide them with market transparency and access to the entire liquidity ecosystem that's available for the given the product that they're trading. So broker-dealers, there's many of them. There's interdealer brokers, banks are considered broker-dealers, but an agency broker-dealer is an entity that does not commit capital, but services its customers from the standpoint of helping them execute their strategy the best way, the most strategic way, transparently, uh, with a lot of anonymity uh, covering their, covering the buyers and sellers' uh, identities, obviously, and then supplying the marketplace uh, with information uh, as well as access to ecosystem and speed and efficiency and the the services you know we, we provide uh, are obviously execution based as, as i've alluded uh but we are floor based in the sense what makes well, one of the key attributes that makes xfa very unique is that we are floor-based meaning most of the staff uh, that work for xfa are located on the actual trading uh the, the two biggest trading pits that come to mind most of your audience would be aware of would be the SPX. Fixed options to fit in placebo. We also maintain floor operations over at the CME, Euro dollars area, as well as in the s big contract area. But being on the floor really uh, gives us a tremendous ability to access the largest liquidity uh, available to uh, the, the marketplace, especially in the bigger index products larger notion products. Uh, and we also have uh, an incredible ability within these larger index based products to offer speed and efficiency with execution, as a result of being positioned. There. So it's a very unique setup uh, in the community, and it's definitely uh, one of the attributes that makes Exit stand out.
0: I agree, and it's ironic that you know entering January of 2020, would you have seen, foreseen all these changes that you know were coming to you know being a floor-based agency broker. Nobody saw this coming. So, and the fact that you guys have had to a, adapt and adjust makes you know kind of your your function all the more fascinating. I think. So to build on that, what types of execution avenues do you ha- have available for trading? Walk me through what happens and what the process is.
1: Sure. Well, you're exactly right. Nobody foresaw COVID coming. I mean, for a very long time as electronic markets have developed, especially within the derivative space, liquidity on screen has developed meaningful enough where a large array of customer types can interact with it. There has always been talk of, you know, are the trading floors going to close clo- are the trading floors excuse me going to close or are they going to go away? And the simple fact of the matter is, is uh, they haven't uh, yet. Uh, all options can trade on a on a floor to this day, whether they be single stock, whether they be mm-hmm. uh, ETF options, index option. But the index products in particular are, are are where the floor really stands out in its ability to offer speed and efficiency. I mean, you have to you have to take into account, as an example, the SPX being up near thirty six hundred. or So you know, one contract notionally is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Uh, when you have these larger institutional players that are trading multi leg strategy, buying and selling multiple strikes at a given time, sometimes to tune them up to eight legs, yeah. with multiple thousands of contracts, it really helps to have humans involved. Uh, that doesn't mean that the electronic marketplace doesn't serve its purpose and doesn't have an ability uh, to serve clients' needs. We at XFA mm-hmm. use electronic execution for our own customers when we deem it appropriate, when we deem it mm-hmm. but. To, your, to the one part of your question, what types of execution avenues are available? There's basically three uh, if you kind of want to make the statement, like an umbrella statement. What can you do? On the one, uh, I don't want to call it an extreme, but on the one side of the equation, you have electronic execution, which is basically where the end user customer takes the responsibility on entering the order through a front-end uh, execution management system. Okay. That system communicates to your point when you press when that individual presses the button on the mouse that says buy or sell. That system communicates with what's called the back end smart router, and that smart router is designed to execute that order in a smart way because there are literally sixteen option exchanges that exist with more on the horizon. All of these exchanges have different fee schedules, different setups, they take price the right time pro rata. This is very nuanced stuff, uh, but different ways that they. Engage the marketplace different cost structures and these smart routers know how to execute those orders in the most cost efficient way while achieving uh, best execution but with that said the customer ultimately is responsible ultimately responsible for handling the order and the customer is going to interact with the market making community on the other side that is resting on the bids and offers that they're engaging with so to some extent you get a little bit of a limited interaction again not to say that it's it's not a good thing but you have to understand the dynamics of what that particular execution type has and, and can offer if you go to the other side of the equation the complete other side of the equation you go over to let's say the big bank desks uh, the investment banks that can make capital for customer order books so this is typically for the larger institutional type orders uh, where a customer may want to buy five or ten thousand contracts of a particular name uh, you know, equivalent to 500 or a million shares of stock, 500,000 or a million shares of stock, the bank will actually take the other side of that transaction and guarantee a price and then they themselves will go down to the trading boards or execute electronically electronic that, that are available and say, hey, we have a buyer and seller here and then the market participates. And then in the middle, which I can say is the largest playground, is the agency side of the mm-hmm. equation, which is where exit from. Our customers our global customers are very astute because they understand the value of electronic trading. They understand the value of capital commitment trading, but in the middle, they they really understand the value of agency trading, which gives them an the ability to come to a professional uh, broker dealer like ourselves that understands the liquidity. There is a lot of providers of liquidity in the derivatives marketplace, not just market makers. There's upstairs proprietary trading units. There's bank desks, dealer desks. And XFA, as well as broker dealers like us, have the ability to access those markets on an agency basis, find out where the best liquidity lives or where the best price lives, and then we could combinations execute some part of the order electronically, execute some part of the order in a block uh, transaction type uh, uh, facility mechanism, and get the customer done at uh, the best price uh, with uh, a commission level that's in between those two extremes. And nowadays, especially for the institutional community, transaction cost analysis is a big part of the management of their business because making returns is obviously not easy. So mm-hmm. we really afford customers best-in-class execution because we take advantage of all possible ways of executing orders, and it's and it's, it's what we do. We know it best, we do it the best, and we have a, a big presence doing it. So it's a very complex uh, ecosystem uh, of not only execution capability but of liquidity and customers out there have to understand it and take time to learn it. And that's really, you know, our, our value at XFA is to get in there and, and help those customers execute those orders the best way possible.
0: Yeah, what I feel you just explained is, is is almost like showing someone like how the sausage is made. And I think it's important that people know what exactly, what exactly is going on, how much is being weighed, how much is being calculated, Uh to, to, to know where this, this out, you know, the flows are coming from. Um, so. Well, if I if I can add a point, mm-hmm.
1: you know, you, you mentioned the retail audience, obviously, some of your audience is from that. The retail audience, uh, especially like you know, Charles Schwab's, Meritrade, Fidelity, those platforms execute electronically and they route a lot of their orders to what's called the consolidators, in other words, the marketing that internalize some of that order flow to the extent they want to buy and sell they, in other words take the other side of those trades the retail orders are obviously typically smaller so they do uh, there is justification to say hey executing electronically uh, is the proper way to do this uh, they're still uh, we, we do execute on behalf of some retail entities because it is still deemed appropriate to put a human in there especially within the index options mm-hmm. because we can afford better prices but yes, it is a very complex universe where those orders are going to a consolidator that's looking at them, internalizing them, buying and selling what they want to interact with, and then sending out these smart routers to the rest of the system where they're going. And uh, there is a lot of nuance.
0: Right. I want to circle back to the floor-based broker-dealers in the open outcry. So what, what exactly is occurring when you're participating in such a such a thing
1: well open outcry is 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 almost exactly what it means in other words a trading pit is typically a large circle or like you know almost like a pentagon kind of setup bleachers bleachers people stand market makers broker dealers uh, stand uh, and, and and holler at one another for large part throughout the day and you know again uh, applying this more or less applying this part of the conversation to the index products Think SPX, thinks VIX, things like that. When when a when a bank desk, let's say an institutional customer calls a bank desk to get a market in the SP, they're going to call a floor broker like XFA, mm-hmm. uh, and XFA is going to holler out to that pit whatever wants to be done. You know, March thirty six hundred puts in the SPX. You know, thousand up. Where are they? And you it can, might you, respond you, with market. You know, three at five, three dollar bid at five.
0: You can yell a little louder if you want.
1: <laughs> yeah, I used to. Trust me. Uh, but I, I, I'll, I'll spare the audience years, but the, the long and short of it is, is the market will respond. Typically, those markets are a little bit wider when you look at them on the screen. Uh, if the market uh, if the market that you get in the crowd is 3 at 5, maybe the market on the screen is 2 at, at 6. So immediately, the markets tend to tighten up and then the broker dealer has an ability to try to represent that or uh, bid for it or offer it in the middle and try to build a picture of buyers or sellers that will take the other side and, and price it. And, and this gets back to my earlier point about the agency execution, versus mm-hmm. business, because we are contacting in a matter of seconds, a massive array of liquidity providers. We're explaining uh, anonymously. In other words, the customer's not customers being represented through us, right? So yes. the customer gains anonymity in this equation where we can go in and kind of Uh, You know, not show our hand, but show our hand. Hey, we're interested in this strike. This is how many we have to do. Maybe we start to let them know that we're buyers and we start to fish for sellers and all of a sudden we come back to that customer with really good color and information on where the market's at and what the best way is to execute the order. Whether it makes sense to try to work it over a period of time, if the market's coming their way, maybe the market is not really for sale right now. So it's better to just bid for it and let it come to you. Yep. Or conversely, if the customer is in a rush, the market is moving, volatility high. Um, you know, think certainly back towards the COVID days uh, when we were in the initial state of the crisis. The volatility was shooting through the roof. Um, you had customers that wanted to buy their hedges immediately. So get me done. Where can I? And that's where the benefit of not only the human element, but the trading better, the open outright element really comes in because All of these entities are connected not only to their floor-based staff, but then to their upstairs staff, the the guys that are trading proprietarily, and the communication sequence, well, it's seamless, it's fast, it's transparent, and it happens quickly. And I have seen, um, you know, hundreds, uh, you know, multiple billions, uh, of dollars cross-hand in the, in the span of five seconds, uh, which would otherwise take uh, quite a bit of time with a lot more risk trying to do it. Uh, electronically. So that, it's not a, necessarily a quick definition, but I think it's a thorough definition of what open-out trading is all about and why it applies uh, to the larger notional uh, index product in the
0: market. Yeah, I agree. Uh, maybe because it's the NBA trade deadline, it reminds me of like how an agent is almost, you know, will put out a couple rumors. So-and-so is interested in, you know, or there's rumor sources say there's going to be a trade to the Hawks. And that, that might not be existing but that might perk up the ears of another team who's intrigued by that and you you set the market that way
1: you hit the nail on the head within a trading pit um, there is a tremendous amount of information flow and in feel uh that's what our brokers are so good at that's one of xFA uh xFA's greatest attributes is our is our understanding and feel depth and size and positioning of the marketplace i can tell you that every day I'm in touch with my floor personnel, uh, for what they're seeing, what they're hearing, what they're feeling, which way the market's leaning, which way it's skewed. Uh, and because they have access to all of the trades, not just the trades that we get, but mm-hmm. all of the other trades we're sitting there listening to on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. That, that, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: For the market. Because well, there's a great, you know, for your audience, you can go on YouTube and you can, uh, listen to Uh, S&P Futures pit years ago during the flash crash, uh, there's a very famous recording of one of the clerks that was uh, broadcasting what was going on in the pit. Uh, And for your audience that wants to experience and feel what it's like to have the market move and move fast, uh, I would highly recommend going out and listening to that because it's a great example of just what those trading pits do, what their capabilities are. And the reality is is when, when the stuff hits the fan, for lack of a better term, uh, electronic markets
0: tend to fade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, 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 they remember the market makers in this
1: community have to supply books on multiple listed products, to 16 different venues. Yeah. So their quote risk management or monitoring systems are very robust, where if they all of a sudden start to get, their offers start to get lifted or their bids start to get hit, they obviously are programmed to pull back. And that's kind of What you and I are really driving at is, in a sense, what is the best way to execute my order? If my order is not going to spook the markets, it's not too sizable, it's not trading in a name that has got a pending news announcement or has a particular risk uh, potential within itself, trading electronically oftentimes becomes a good way to engage the market. And a lot of institutional customers are embracing electronic trading from what's called a systematic standpoint. Mm-hmm. In other words, they use algorithms to engage the market, and they can exercise a lot of sides throughout the day. And a great example of that would be recently, um, I'm sure you remember hearing back in August when the market rallying, it all of a sudden came out from SoftBank, a big institutional customer overseas, yep. had bought you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in notional option positions, a limited number of names. Um well, they did that electronically. You know, it wasn't because I can tell you right now, if they had gone into different bank desks and bought twenty or thirty thousand options in, in, a, in a Amazon or Facebook, Google, whatever names they're trading, in, that information would have been all over the street. And it, it wasn't, and it kind of, kind of came as a bit of a shock. It, it didn't shock insiders like myself you know how to play, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of liquidity there if you're willing to take the time next. To you. But if you look at the four thousand. 500 names, whatever the number is, of a total names in the United States equities market, literally 60 to 75% of the underlying liquidity in the options space rests in about the top 6 to 10 names. It's an incredibly yeah. small universe of names where the bulk of people play. When you start to trade outside of that universe, so think financials, industrials, I mean, we've just witnessed it. Once President Elect Biden was the perceived winner of the election, we have witnessed a massive rotation you know there was five or six names that contributed to most of the rally that we've seen coming out of the initial phase of the crisis predominantly they were tech names stay at home name peloton zoom amazon you know the the usual suspects yep now we have financials industrials uh consumer staples uh all of these other sectors banks um especially getting action well if you're an options trader especially if you're trading more size a lot of those names don't Comprised of six top six, ten, eight. So you're forced to be very conscious about how you interact with the market. And you can very easily outsize the market electronically. So again, from the agency broker perspective, uh, my perspective, our firm's perspective, this is where uh, we may pay well sun sunshine, because we know how to infiltrate that vast liquidity ecosystem and afford our customers the best
0: execution possible. Right. So in addition to the liquidity, and you might have touched on this before, but I do want to expand on it. What does this open outcry offer as far as price discovery?
1: Well, as as I mentioned, when you engage that crowd, when you holler out to that crowd, they will oftentimes provide you a quote that's much tighter than the screen. Mm Mm-hmm because they are expressing their interest you know if if the crowd has been buying options all day then they're obviously going to be better for sale so you might come into a better offer and you're also going to expose that order to a larger audience again not every market maker is making markets on every series every second of the day so if you're looking at a quote on the screen you might have a quote that's rep- being represented by two or three market makers when there's actually 18 or 20 market makers that are supplying okay. liquidity in the marketplace. Got it. So that open outcry environment allows all of those potential sources of liquidity to respond.
0: Okay. Yeah, that that, that I understand that a lot more. Now, that question was only basically for my own vanity to make sure I understood it. Oh, okay. Um, it's okay.
1: It's, it's complex. Yep, <laughs> there's a lot of nuance to it.
0: It really is. I do want to wrap up with a big picture look. And can you offer any insight on how you were facilitating flow by helping customers position themselves before the election? And then how are you gaining your footing now after the election, looking to 2021? I've basically ended all of my podcasts, you know, with this eye towards 2021 and the assumption that things will be smoother, but not necessarily. So I'd love to get your input on that. Sure. Well,
1: you know, I kind of just touched on a, a piece uh, of that answer to you in saying that most recently the market has saw for the first time much greater breadth. In yes. other words, a, a, a reallocation uh, for sure. to various sectors that were not uh, really engaged in the in the rally uh, as much as the, you know, five or six names, you know, FANG names, basically FANG plus, you mm-hmm. know, Zoom and Peloton, right? Yep. If you want to, I'll answer your question from you know pre uh, pre election perspective, and then I'll answer your question a little bit post for your look the twenty twenty one. So pre election, um, one of the most interesting things that that I saw occur that that we at exit based off was over in the volatility space on the VIX. Um, for your audience, you know who, who may or may not totally. Get VIX. VIX is a, as a measure of forward volatility and implied 30-day forward volatility. So it's the market's attempt at anticipating the anticipation, how much, you know, movement potential and options prices is there over the next 30 days. And, you know, when it's perceived that there's a lot, the VIX will go up. The market will be more volatile. When it's perceived that there's a, there's less, it'll go down. Well, obviously, volatility this year caught a major bid <laughs> coming into the COVID crisis, and we actually achieved the highest level on the VIX ever, Uh, it's surpassed its 2008 high during the global financial crisis. So clearly, volatility went through the roof, for lack of a better term, back in March and April. And as it's come back down, uh, or what the market oftentimes refers to as its mean reverted, VIX is notoriously for mean reverting back towards its mean fast, quickly. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't occurred. And coming into the election, which is something that's been on the minds of people for a long time this year, uh everybody kind of initially anticipated that volatility would go up because of all of the potential uh outcomes or, or range of potential outcomes that could, could occur. Tested, resolved, you know, you name it, who's gonna win. But we actually saw customers buying puts in the VIX. And what that means is the customers were buying options that would benefit if the VIX comes down post-election. Uh, and to some extent, it has, uh, as you're, you know, as you've probably been been watching, mm-hmm. uh, the bigs you know, kind of came back down below 25 and its long term 10 year average, which does not two thousand and 17. And uh, we've seen some customers take profits on some of those positions. They range anywhere between December expiry all the way out to March of next year, because they were kind of playing for how long it's going to take for volatility to come down. But the overall assumption before the election was that volatility would come down. And so far, to some extent, it has mm-hmm. as it moved, maybe as, as far as it will, potentially, because we have to remember we're back in a zero interest rate environment. Yep. And the last time we were here, the fix was much lower, all the way back down to, you know, 10, 11, 12. So that's one of the most interesting uh, trade and strategies that we've seen uh, kind of occur before election and continue. Now. Post-11, post-election, post obviously, I've alluded to the fact that there's much more breadth to the marketplace now because people are playing for a long-term economic recovery as we come out of the crisis, as there's news now from two companies that they have successful trials in the vaccine, and we anticipate getting a vaccine in the next few months. There are a lot of potential factors that could create volatility if we don't have a smooth presidential transition. Uh, if there is uh, problems with the distribution of the vaccine, and God forbid, it doesn't work as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of potential for volatility, but customers are trading a much larger swath of things because the perception is that the economy's set to grow. Perception is that Washington will afford the market a stimulus package, an infrastructure package. But I do think longer term, uh, and I'll end on this point: uh, there's there there are a lot of customers that are looking. Further out into 2021, even out in 2022, uh, which is a bit of ways, but they are talking about it with us because a lot of people believe that if there is massive stimulus, if there is a lot of infrastructure and people start spending money, then obviously the Fed could move interest rates higher sooner than forecast. Yep, of course. Because of inflation concerns, a lot of dollar concerns. So I think 2021 is setting up to have some potential bouts of volatility in it. But for the most part, right now, people are not forecasting for that volatility until the second half of the year. We kind of need a lot more information to uh and a lot more decisions to be made with regard to the incoming administration before customers can actually start placing those bets. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting time to trade options, and uh, it's going to be a very interesting time to see how things play
0: out. Well said. Well said. If anything, that makes me feel better because I've been watching these. 10 day VIX PC ratios. And I, Hey, like we should be keeping an eye on this. I think this is a pretty good indicator. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating to hear, you know, someone from your side, you know, basically ascertain the same thing as well as, you know, everything about 2021. So yeah, let's, let's cut that there because I think that was as good a way to end it as possible. Bill Looney, managing director at XFA. Thank you, So much for coming on. You know, you have the historic title of the first broker to be on the Schaefer's Market mashup. Uh, I'll send you a trophy later. Uh, Or maybe um, those little, like, police certificates, you know, with the little teddy bear on it.
1: I'll display it proudly, Patrick. Listen, I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to hopefully doing it again. And I certainly hope uh, you and your audience benefited from some of our contact. I enjoyed the uh, content. I enjoyed the discussion. Thank
0: you. I sure did, too. Have a good one. Stay safe.